Welcome to episode 217 of Brutal Battle. Yeah, it's Rich again, and Rich, I'm very glad you're here. Yeah, I'm okay, I'm here. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> well, I was just going to start calling you apathetic Rich. <laughs> like, that's how you come off, you're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's Yeah, cool. it's fine. That's good. But in all fairness, you have said you are really struggling with allergies at the moment, so I understand how that is. When I'm not on the medication I'm on, allergies destroy me. Mm-hmm. Just destroy me. And we had a 7% beer earlier. <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> yeah. help either. Yeah, we, um, we're not continuing to sip on that beer yeah. right now because we want to be in control of our faculties. <laughs> so, yeah. We have two other beers in front of us, though, for mystery beers, which look interesting. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what those are going to be. But before we get to that, uh, let's go ahead and start talking about our topic. So this is, and I'm not going to go like super into depth because this is from a website, um, but I'll tell you guys what website and what the, I guess it's an article, what the article is so you can go and look at it yourself. So this is from a website called First We Feast, and it literally is firstwefeast.com. And they wrote up an article on the most influential craft breweries in America, and it's kind of like a look at over time what breweries have been super influential and for what reason. So for each one, there's like literally like a sentence or like a few words about what's made them so influential. So I'm not going to go super into depth on them. So if there are any that people really want to know extra about reference that mm-hmm. website in that particular article and you can get that extra information. Cause you know, for time's sake, we don't want this podcast to go like crazy long and I don't want to read all those things, but is this the one where they eat the spicy wings? Is that that one? No. First no. we feast. No, no, no. You know what I'm talking well, about? Well, I don't you know, I don't know. What else do they do? Drink, video, recipes. <laughs> they have all sorts of stuff on here. They do have a lot of stuff on there. A lot of context on this website. That's good. Yeah, lots content. of content. So Okay, so the first brewery that clocks in on this list is probably no surprise to people who know craft beer, Anchor Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this brewery kicked off craft beer movement in general. It's They started in 1896 in San Francisco, California. So if people, if you don't really know about Anchor, you can look that up on your own time. Rich history, um, still around, which is very impressive. And craft beer community owes a lot to Anchor, honestly. Uh, the next one is one I've, I've heard of, I've never had anything by, and I didn't think a whole lot of because I haven't heard much, but... New Albion Brewing Company, they opened in 1976, Mm -hmm. so on the old end, as far as craft beer goes, in Sonoma, California, and they were the first microbrewery ever. So that's their importance. Once again, if you want information, go ahead and check it out. Uh, Then Sierra Nevada, no surprise there. Uh, Everyone knows Sierra Nevada. Nevada. Uh, And their influence, they say, is teaching the world to love hops. They took the Columbus hop, made it super, super um, popular. Wait, was it Columbus or Schnuck? That's the wrong person. I want to say Columbus, but I could be wrong. Damn it. Um, And they opened in 1979 in Chico, California. I think it says, oh, Cascade. It was another, I knew it was a C. And I normally know this, but that 17.2% beer just (laughs) invaded my brain. Um, Cascade Hops. They took Cascade Hops and made people like hoppiness. If you remember, their uh, pale ale was a big deal as far as hop content goes. Then there's Boston Beer Company, also known as Sam Adams. No big surprise there. Out of Boston, Massachusetts. Opened in 1984. 
and they made craft beer mainstream. I think they're the first one that really started blowing up as far as distribution goes, and no surprise there. Then we have Goose Island. Started in 1988 in Chicago, Illinois, their influence is bourbon barrel aging as well as selling out to macro, (laughs) the macro beer companies. So, yes, the bourbon barrel aging, awesome, because uh, where would we be without their bourbon county? They were the first to do that stuff. The selling out, not so good. So, like I've said, it's like some good, some bad. Was Did I say that? I think I said it off podcast to you. Some good, some bad, as far as influence goes. Um, then there is Blind Pig Brewing slash Russian River Brewing. And opened in 1994-1997 in Temecula, California, and Santa Rosa, California. And they invented the double IPA, which, thank you for that, love double IPAs. And invented wine barrel aging beers. Mm. As people know, you know, Russian River was huge as far as trading goes a bunch of years back because people were like, oh my god, they're doing amazing stuff with sour beers, aging in wine barrels. Amazing stuff. So how do people pick the names of the companies? They just have a hat. They're like, all right, let's put random words in here and pick this out. Some of them, it seems like it. <laughs> a lot of them, actually, it it has some significance right, somehow. Right. And that's, I always like that. I usually don't like it when companies are just like, and we went with this name just because we think it sounds kind of good. I hate that. I like when it has like some sort of like actual meaning. Like there was a restaurant that o- opened near us, which actually went in the old Duclaw Brewing space called Humagalas, mm. and it's, like, focused on pizza and, and burgers. And so at first I was like, oh, it could be interesting. And then I read an article about it, and they were like, what's the origin of the name? And they were like, oh, we literally just made it up. We thought it sounded good. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not going there. Like, it'll literally turn me off because I feel like that translates to interest in yeah. the company mm-hmm. and how they run it. And I'm just like, mm-mm, Sorry. All right, so then... Do you actually give the hand up when you two say that? You're like, mm-mm, sorry. Yeah, I put, I put up a stop with my hand. <laughs> yep. Mm-mm. Or talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. Oh, you did the snaps, Z-Bus, too. The snaps, yeah. Uh, so then the next one's Sandlot Brewery, which I've never even heard of. Out of Denver, Colorado, they opened up in 1995, and they, were, they started making craft beer commercial, apparently. I don't really know that much about that, but... Oh, owned by Miller Coors now, so... Aren't mm-hmm. these all pretty much owned by big companies now? No, no. A lot of them are still independent. Uh, the next one, no big surprise, Dogfish Head Brewery out of Milton, Delaware, started in 1995. And this literally says, influence adding all sorts of crazy shit to beer. That sounds about right. Very true. That's what they're known for. That's what That's what they were known for. That's what they're still known for. Always pushing the envelope with just putting more and more stuff you wouldn't think to use into beer. And they started that movement. Like, people are still doing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness for Sam Calagione. Because he kicked that off, and it's made beer magical, in my opinion. I don't know about you, but... Yeah, beer's always magical. <laughs> do you drink Dogfish Head? Yeah, I do enjoy Dogfish Head. I mean, Here them and Flying Dog I like a lot. Oh, nice. Just dog beers? <laughs> yeah, anything with dog in it, I have to drink it. <laughs> Mad Dog. Mad Dog 2020, you know, drink that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next one is Three Floyds Brewing out of Munster, Indiana, which they started in 1996. And their influence is making people wait in line for rare beer. 
Uh, a bad one, in my opinion. They started that with their uh, Dark Lord Day, with their Imperial Stout, with all sorts of crazy stuff thrown into it. And people started waiting in line for it because it was so rare. Yada, yada. And now we have a culture of people waiting in line for beer, which, honestly, if that's what you want to do and you have the time to do it, do what you want to do. That's fine. But for me personally, I'm not going to do it. It's just not worth my time. And my opinion is there's a lot of really good beer out there just in stores. So I'll just go get that instead of waiting in line. So the next one then, kind of in that realm, is The Alchemist uh, out of Stowe, Vermont. And they opened in 2003. And they were also involved in making people wait in line for beers. But their main influence on here is putting hazy IPAs in pounder cans. So they really kicked off the popularity of New England-style IPAs or hazy-style IPAs. uh, And they put them in cans. And at that point when they put it out, they were ashamed of it. Like literally (laughs) said on the can drink from the can because they didn't want people dumping it into a glass and seeing how unfiltered and hazy it was. Yeah. Because at that point it was still a no, no in the craft beer community. Like you filter your beers is how it was. It's like, you're not a real brewer unless you're filtering your beers. But now it's very different. People are all about the unfiltered. People literally will go into places and be like, I will have your haziest beer. Like how hazy looking is it? Um, I can try and pull up a picture. I take it you're not a hazy beer drinker at all. I honestly never even heard of the term hazy beer. But, I mean, I knew unfiltered. I just never heard of the term hazy. Well. Are you going to blow my mind with this one? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Is it from a company that says name's Dog somehow? Because if it's not, like, <laughs> no. I'm not going to drink the, it. Then you're not going to have interest yeah, unless, no it's interest in something. unless it's hazy dog or something like that. Looks like orange juice. Oh yeah, that looks like pulpy as hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks like pulpy orange juice. Which actually, there's a brewery called RER Brewing, and they do really good stuff uh, out of Cambridge, Maryland, and they have one called Pulp because it should be called yeah, Pulp Fiction. Like. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have uh, someone has one called Pulp Friction. Oh, oh, it may also be them actually. RER, I don't know. Anyway. Um, and then those were the main ones they put on there, but then there was like a honorable mention with a, with like a few words about them. So green flash is on there for, um, codifying the West coast style IPA. They really made it a thing. So that's cool. The brewery out of California for making their societies, their beer societies, which has become a model for some other breweries. I wish more breweries would do it. It's very cool. I wish breweries just had the name called the brewery. Yeah, that just tells you what the they brewery. are. Well, that always causes problems because I'll bring it up in conversation and people people be like, "What brewery?" <laughs> like the brewery, the and, brewery, and then I have to spell it, and they're like, oh, "Okay, now I get it." Uh, Firestone Walker for putting beer blending on the map, pretty much. Which beer blending is amazing, and we've had a few episodes on this podcast about it. You can blend beer mm. on your own at home. And there's some really good stuff out there. You are blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you to all sorts of things that are rich. Apathetic rich. Yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) Uh, Hair of the Dog for popularizing high ABV beers. I don't know how I feel about that one just because Hill Farmstead on there for farmhouse perfection. So really hammering down the farmhouse style beer. Uh, I don't know if I would say Hill Farmstead for that one. There are breweries who were doing farmhouse ales before that. Is that like a gamey taste to it? I mean, what is farmhouse? 
Oh, farmhouse is just a particular style where it's it's really at this point the yeast mm. that really really makes it. Um, but it was people go back and reference the Oxbow Brewing Showcase episode that just came out uh, a few weekends ago. Um, but that breaks it down. Rebecca has a full on definition, but it was like Belgian beer made by farmers, like easy drinking with whatever they had available to like have after a long day of working in the fields. It's Amish beer. Got it. (laughs) Amish ish. Uh, Jolly pumpkin for putting Britannomyces beers on the map, which I agree with that. I remember the first time I had a Jolly pumpkin beer and it gushed when I opened it and I was like, what is going on? I've never experienced this before. It's got to be bad. What is happening? And then figured out, oh, that's actually, like, a thing. But the beer was outstanding. Uh, Jolly Pumpkin, yeah, they were definitely a pioneer. We got a gusher. Yeah. Lost Abbey for Americanizing Belgian sour beers. Yes, agree with that. Good job. Uh, Manhattan Brewing Company of New York for East Coast brew pubs. I don't really know. Doesn't go into depth on that either. I guess they started the idea of a brew pub on the East Coast. Sure. Uh, New Belgium for doing wood aging beers, making that popular. Yes, they're lawfully sour. Awesome. Uh, Oscar Blues for canning craft beer. Mm, That's right. The yeah. the big movement to cans. Very good. Pete's Brewing Company uh, for dark beer. I guess popularizing dark beer. I don't know. It doesn't have a date or anything on it. It's just like an honorable mention thing. So uh, Stone for taking craft beer international. I guess they really, yeah. They're in Germany now. They literally have a brewery in Germany now. So they've wow. been distributing outside the United States for some time. That's cool. And then Treehouse is on there for New England style IPAs. I don't know about that. I think in some people's minds, they've kind of taken the New England style IPA to the next level. Yeah. But I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't view that as all that important because the alchemist like started the style. Right. So, like, when people make variations on the style, I mean, like, something like Russian River slash Blind Pig creating double IPAs, in my opinion, that's a lot different. Because you're not just refining a style. What you're doing is creating a sub-style, in a sense. Because it's higher ABV for IPAs. And there's, like, a definite big difference. So, anyway, that's it. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? I feel like I just was delivered a plethora of knowledge. <laughs> Hard um, to process. I'm processing hazy <laughs> beers. and So wait, if you had a brewing company, what would you call yourself then? I've already thought about this. All right, what do you got? Um, so first of all, I don't think I would because I don't think I'd have the knowledge to like brew properly. Because I don't do home brewing or anything. You do the mixing, so it's mixed beers. Oh my God. I could mix beers. I could do only blending. I could just start a company where I take existing beers from other breweries, bring them in, and mix them. No, that's actually illegal. Yeah, you can't, sounds very you can't illegal. sell that. <laughs> no, but I wouldn't do that. But um, if I had a brewery, I would call it Beers for Fears. Okay. And it would be horror-related. And I'd just have a, a line of um, phobia beers. Would be one of the things I'd want to do, like agoraphobia ale or um, what's another good one? Claustrophobia cream ale. You know, things like that. Uh, But also have like other ones where it's like uh, werewolf wheat beer or like severed head red, you know, things like that. And have like kind of like serious horror labels. 
not to the point where it would give people nightmares, but to a point where people would be like, that's pretty serious horror stuff. So. So if someone says that out loud, you're like, I succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Be like, I'm kind of almost scared of that label. <laughs> I'd be like, mission accomplished. There you go. That's exactly what so I was going So you just hang out at all the places that would sell your beer and like listen in. Be like, they said it. I can go home now. Yeah, yeah. I would do that. <laughs> I would. I'd be like, yes. Now I can retire. Yeah, exactly. I'm done. Anyone want to buy this brewery now? <laughs> um, what would you do if I, you had to start one? If I had to start a company, I'm just going to go off what's around me. Let's see. Uh, Cat Tree Brewing. <laughs> Actually, it's not a bad idea. It sounds good. There you go. I don't know what we would do, really. I mean, I guess we had pictures of cats playing on the front of it, because that way, you know, we get more of a niche for cat lovers. I'm pretty I'm, sure you would pick up a bottle if there's a cat playing no, on the front of it. No, 100%. I love cats. Yeah. Um, obviously, I have one, because I talk about her from time to time. But, yeah, there is a really serious community for cat lovers, mm-hmm. and you could bring some people in on that. Yeah, that beer could be crappy, but there's a cat on it, so. there's There are two cat-related breweries that have opened recently. Okay. Well, there's one that's contract brewing. It, it's like a brand, but it's contract brewed by Dorchester Brewing Company. But it's called uh, Fat Orange Cat Brewing. I like it. And then out in, actually, I think it's in Frederick, Maryland, one called uh, House Cat Brewing. So there are cat breweries out there. But Cat Tree Brewing sounds good. Yeah, it's pictures of kittens, not oh. just cats. So each label is just a picture of a cute-ass cat. Yep. Well, not even cat, kitten. Yes, that's marketing. Yeah. That's marketing genius, really. It's like, how are you not going to buy this beer with a cute kitten face on it? You don't like kittens? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You literally could go to places and shame people into not buying your beer. Just be like, oh, you don't like cute things? Where are you, an evil individual? See, eventually I'll start branching out to other baby animals, like baby dogs, you know. <laughs> it's all baby animals. Yeah, all baby animals. Crappy beer, but great pictures of animals on it. I like this. No, this is legitimately a good way to sell stuff. I mean, I'm taking from the last podcast with label things. Yeah. It's like recognition, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, breweries don't collaborate with other companies. Collaborate with baby animals. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. There would be one with a picture of a baby sloth on it. Oh, my God. That's selling right now. I think we just sold two. Baby sloth stout. Baby sloth stout. There's a moss in it. (laughs) Because they move so slow, they grow moss on their backs. Yeah. That's awesome. You just have those tie-ins. Yeah, you know? absolutely. What would you do for a kitten one to tie into the beer? Mm. Mm. Saliva? Saliva. Because they lick themselves to clean? Yeah. You spit in, in, the, in the kettle? All right, all right. <laughs> the brew kettle? All right, Precious, spit in the bottle for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, no, I honestly, though, in all seriousness... In all seriousness, I think you're onto something with putting cute animals on labels. <laughs> See, it's funny the things you just talk about. All of a sudden, ideas come about, and yeah. like that. Just like the last episode, people feel free to take these ideas, but give us the beers. Yeah, that's our payment: is the beers, and let us know. Brutal Battle Podcast at Gmail dot com. Let's do it. Apathetic Rich, what? Yeah, Apathetic Rich. <laughs> <laughs> just. Better than Pickle Rick, in my yeah. opinion. Better than Pickle Rick. And Applesauce Pete is another one, too. Yeah, I dropped that because I didn't know how you felt about <laughs> it. So, I like Apathetic Rich more. Apathetic Rich. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, uh, let's do the mystery beers, then. All right. Just hop, my arm. hop on into well, it. Well, did any of these labels have cute animals on them, first off? I don't know yet. I don't know if I want to drink them, then. We'll find out. All right. 
You got to drink it and then we'll find out. All right. And then you can change your opinion. All right. Based on what you see. Oh, absolutely. So the first one looks like, actually it looks a bit like the Allagash Triple from last episode. Have you ever had that before where it's back to back the same beer? No, not the same beer, but same brewery. Mm. That's happened. Um, looks pretty orange. I don't really see any head retention on this. It's just kind of nothing going on on top. That's okay. Smells smells kind of like... It smells very similar to... <laughs> like, very similar. It smells Belgian-y. That's for sure. What the hell? I smell honey. I smell... I smell yeah, I smell honey. I smell a little bit of, like, an apple note. A little bit of banana. It's definitely a Belgian yeast influence. Banana? little coriander, maybe. little coriander. Do you just, like, open up spice jars in your house and just be like, oh, this is this, and you, like, blindfold yourself, you're like, oh, black pepper. No, but sometimes <laughs> if I am using a spice that I don't typically smell, I will just take the time to smell it. Just to be like, that's good to have in my brain yeah. for smelling things. Do you pour it in a glass, too, and sniff it like you're doing right now? No. Okay. Dude, this just this smells like a Belgian-style wheat beer. It actually smells... It smells less like the Allagash Triple and more like the Allagash White. Could it be just Allagash Double? <laughs> no, because I think that's a little more syrupy in the nose and has a little more malt forwardness. Oh, okay. This one, it's very Belgian-y. So, I don't know. I don't think it's also... I don't think this one's also Allagash. Especially because the level of Belgian, uh, Belgian um, yeast influence is higher than what I typically get out of Allagash. Someone else. All right. Let me try it. Mm. It's, um, it's very light in the finish. Kind of like all the flavor fades away at the end. Kind of becomes a little watery. Yeah, I could definitely see that one. Taste that one. Has a little bit of an orange influence in it. Kind of reminds me of like a wave crashing. Like the first wave hits you, then just like a slow. Yeah, yeah. Wave. It's just like it's like aggressive up yeah. front, and then it just comes down, and it's like super chilled out. Yeah. So I definitely taste that Belgian influence. There's a little banana, a little like coriander type flavor. It tastes kind of wheat like, um, but there's an orange to it. Mm -hmm. It's like orange peel, maybe. Hmm. But the finish is pretty dry, and like I said, it's pretty thin on the finish. It's kind of watery. A lot of the flavors just fall off your palate. Um, I don't dislike it, but I don't particularly like it. <laughs> it's kind of in that middle spot. I know Kyle Norman right now, based off what I said about this beer, has already guessed what my number is going to be. He knows. He knows it? Mm-hmm. He's good at guessing that stuff. Is there a prize to get if you guess it right? Um, no. <laughs> no? He, he can come on the show again. Uh, uh, that, that's, that's your prize? prize. <laughs> that's his prize. You can come on the show again. Wait, do I have to guess what you're going to guess too? Yeah, otherwise you're not coming back ever. Oh, wow. That's pressure. <laughs> All right, let's go on to Beer B. This looks like a porter or a brown ale. I think it's an ale. Like a brown ale. Um, so it's, it is like a reddish brownish. I can kind of see through the bottom of it, but not easily. Not much of a head to it. It definitely smells like a brown mm. ale. 
really malty. It's like that one is a little that's molassesy. Definitely molasses. Tastes like molasses. Smells like molasses. Just like a lot of like sweet malt notes. That's a funny word, by the way. Molasses. 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 There's a little, there's a slight chocolatey note at the very end that is also combining with a slight coffee roast note. Mm, I can see that. It's not strong. These aren't strong smells, really. It's just, but it, I mean, overall, it smells quite sweet. Which, you know, you'd assume, looking at it, that it's going to be relatively sweet. It smells okay. It doesn't smell, it doesn't smell like the type of beer that I'm going to be like, I love this, but we'll see. It's more full body than I thought when I tasted it. Hmm. There's more bitterness going on there than I expected. I definitely, it definitely finishes with a coffee note. It's not super strong, but it's like medium level. It's it's there. Definitely multi sweetness. I do get a little bit of that molasses. Ah, yeah. Even more coffee roast as you keep sipping it. Yeah, just aftertaste of it, just letting it sit for a couple seconds. You can taste it. I like it. I mean, I like that. It tastes a little more bitter and a little more astringent than mm. I was expecting. Although right. I don't think it's a high alcohol volume. Oh, not but, at all, yeah. Um, <laughs> slight chocolatiness starting to come through, too. Oh, I mean... You're not seeing God, though, right? No, no, no. No, not not even close, really. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a tough one. I mean, I'm good with both of these. I'm not great with both of them. You said you're great with both of these, but... No, I'm good with them. Good with not them, not great. great. They're both fine. So you seem to like A a lot more than B, though. Uh, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like they're kind of... Interchangeable in a way. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm going to give them both a three. I was going to say threes. You yeah. Let me guess yet. Oh yeah. Are you going to put threes on them, or what's what's your rating? Uh, I actually like B a lot more. Okay. So I'm going to give B a four okay. and A a three. Okay. That works. That makes so, it easy to give it a winner. So I know, B right? would be the winner. Three point five. Um, those are fine scores for beers. I mean, that's decent. They're decent beers. I'm down. All right, so let's uh, unmask the loser overall three. Not much of a loser. It's not far behind. But Mad Dog 2020. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Um, Avery Brewing Company's oh, yeah. White Rascal Belgian-style white ale brewed with spices. White Rascal? Uh, and it is 5.6% alcohol brewed with Rocky Mountain water. <laughs> I hate it when they say that stuff. Uh, malted barley, malted wheat, hops, coriander. I did pick out the coriander. Yeah. Curacao orange peel. I picked out go. that too. And Belgian yeast. Picked out that too. Okay. I mean, it definitely tastes like what it says it should taste like. Is this one from my... Oh, yeah. This is from my stash. Um, This beer is like a year and a half old-ish. 
uh, holding up pretty well for being a lighter style beer that's been aged that long. What's on the What's on the can? Oh, it's like a white devil. Oh, it's cool label art with red hair and a beer in his hand. Yeah, <laughs> I like um, I like the the art for Avery. They do a good job. That's a decent beer. It's solid. It's no Ralph Stebbin artwork, but hey, you know. <laughs> no, it's actually no. really cool. Um, okay, now the winner to be revealed overall three point five beer B is probably also from my stash. Edmund Fitzgerald Porter oh. by Great Lakes Brewing Company, and this is where's ABV on this? Oh, up there, six point six uh, percent, and it is this one. This one is two years old. So, yes, also from my stash. Uh, robust and complex, our porter is a bittersweet tribute to the legendary freighter's fallen crew, taken too soon when the gales of November came early. Okay. I don't need that on the can or on the Yeah, bottle. that's depressing. But, Come on. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> trying to make me think about that while I'm trying to drink? See, it needs to be cute kittens. Exactly. So, actually, for a long time, I don't know if it's still the case... Edmund Fitzgerald was supposed it was considered to be like the penultimate porter. Like people were all about it, like what's the best porter out there? And people would be like, Oh, Great Lakes, Edmund Fitzgerald, obviously. Right. So it's good. It's yeah. that's it's it's good. It's the winner, so mm-hmm. I don't think that with porters in particular, time I don't think is super kind to them. Um it's not it hasn't done terrible things to this beer because I know what it tastes like uh, more fresh and fresher. You get kind of like some tobacco notes, some leather notes, which are nice with the beer. I do definitely think that this is better fresh. The White Rascal, um, I kind of feel like it's better aged, which is a weird thing to say because you wouldn't think that for like a Belgian-style white beer. But... I think what it did is the spices came down, that coriander perception and the Belgian yeast perception came down, and that orange peel increased in strength. Mm. And I like that in this beer. Um, thinking of how it did taste versus how it tastes now. So, yeah, just interesting. This is interesting to see the aging on these two. Yeah, absolutely. Since I remember what they taste like fresh, which is weird, but you know, from years ago. <laughs> So what about you? Do you drink aged beers at all? No. Usually beers that last in my fridge are more than like a month. Well, then but, you could be drinking IPAs like crazy and have no problem. Yeah. There are a lot of people who make the mistake of like, oh man, I'm going to drink this IPA six months later. Uh, probably not going to taste good at all. <laughs> Do it within three months of its uh, packaging date. So, well, cool. Um, thanks for being on again, man. Yeah, Apathetic Rich. Me. Thanks. Have a blast. <laughs> this is what you need to do. Like, you just go around now and just be like, yeah, apathetic rich. <laughs> should get t-shirts made. You should go into work. Are you going to work tomorrow? Yeah. You should go into work tomorrow, and as soon as you walk in, just be like, apathetic rich. <laughs> you don't have to yell it, because that might be too much. So I do I say it to myself, like, apathetic rich. No, just go around the office and reintroduce yourself to everyone. Uh, and just be like, hello, nice to meet you, apathetic rich. Oh, yeah. And they go, oh. Okay. It's your alter ego. Yeah. Obviously it is, yeah. People start being like, which rich are you today? Are you regular rich or apathetic rich? You'd be like, guess. no, I'm pissed off Rick. Yeah, pissed Or off. rich. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. 
that might be kind of fun to just start referring to yourself kind of in the third person. It's like the Bob Dole thing. Bob Dole used to do that all the time. Yeah. The Bob Greece, Dole thinks this. Bob Dole thinks that. The Great Siren live skit with Norm MacDonald playing Bob Dole is hilarious. Yeah, it's like, who stole Bob Dole's peanut butter? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People, if you haven't seen that, look it up on YouTube. The SNL Bob Dole sketches. It was like uh, the... Um, real world. Real world, yeah, take off. It was pretty funny. Good stuff. Sidetrack, though. Um, we're going to shut this down right now. We're, I don't think we're going to do another episode unless you really want to. I think we're good. Yeah, we're good. Um, that 17%er in the first yeah, episode yeah. just made it the case. Uh, but we'll sip on this, and uh, we're going to shut it down. And who knows what episode's coming out next. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Apathetic Rich, for being present. It's always fun. And somewhat caring. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Until next time, thank you, and... Yeah, exactly what he said. <laughs> Keep it brutal. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.